what's up, folks? It is Friday Eve, Thursday night, for those who like to keep track of the days of the week. And, of course, we are a day away from Christmas Eve. So to everyone tuning in tonight, whether you're here stateside, overseas, down in Brazil, we thank you for tuning in. And we hope that everyone gets to enjoy the holidays with their family. So we do appreciate everyone tuning in. It is episode 102, and I couldn't be any happier because of two reasons. One is for Andy Kalu, and I know you guys, it's been a while since you've seen him either in Philly or have seen him as far as on TV. But Andy Kalu is with us tonight, which is always great, and I'm thankful for the opportunity he gave me out there in Houston when we were at the iHeartRadio studios for Sports Talk 790. We'll get a little into that as far as the talk at the studio, and uh, you guys are going to enjoy the conversation tonight because all we plan on doing here is, as always, to have fun. Not only that, but we also have Nick Lisi back with us, our beat writer that we haven't seen in since probably August, I want to say, the last time we saw Nick. So two great gentlemen here tonight. We plan to have a lot of fun with. Once again, we hope that everyone enjoys their holiday. We hope that everyone is safe in their travels. And whatever you do, don't forget to thank the man upstairs because he's the one that makes everything happen. So let's enjoy the evening. Let's get the show started. Fuji is off tonight, but he probably will be chiming in. But nevertheless, I'm Angel. This is episode 102. And this is Broad Street South. Now, just in case our young Nick Lisi has forgotten, we don't forget his intro. So here is Nick Lisi. Listen, Ducky, how are you? <laughs> Too smooth back in the building. Angel, thank you so much for having me back on. It's been a while. I'm uh, officially done with my fall semester as a sophomore. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Next semester, I'll be uh, halfway through. So super excited to be back on. Super excited to talk to ND, talk about a little football, talk about his career a little bit, and uh, just super excited to get started. Yeah, it's going to be a, a definitely a good time tonight, and that's for sure. And, and for those who don't know how to find Andy Kalu, well, let me explain to you how you can do it here as I bring the screen up here to, to the full screen. You guys can download and or even listen on the iHeartRadio app at Sports Talk 790, just like you see here on the screen, if I can get my mouse roll over there. So as you guys can see there, if you go into In the Trenches, what you can end up doing there is it'll show you the past broadcast that he has on if i click it over there in time there it is so it shows all the past broadcasts from andy kalu's show whether from the start from during the week so if you guys miss something you always go back and catch a replay but not only that don't forget that also andy kalu will be inducted into the san antonio sports hall of fame and you talk about some milestones that this gentleman has done and never forgets where he comes from also if you guys look for him you can look for him at Andy Kalu on Twitter. The gentleman is always, always cordial every time I see him. And with that being said, let me go back to my other screen here. Where's my mouse going? Oh, here it comes. So here is Andy Kalu. Andy, how are you this evening? Man, I'm pumped up. Anytime I get to do anything involving Philadelphia, I'm excited. So let's rock. Let's do it. Broad Street South in the house. I'm ready to have some fun. And so we are live from the LG Direct Sales Solution Studios. And by the way, as I always, Fuji normally asks how the weather is, which the same way we talked about the other day on your show when I called in on Tuesday, uh, 
Yesterday was horrible. It was uh, raining all day, which is unusual here in Florida. But today made up for it. We had uh, sunny skies, about 75 degrees, and it's going up into the 80s coming up this holiday weekend. And, and, I, and I, from what I hear, also in Houston, it's going to be pretty daggone nice. It's supposed to be 80, 83, excuse me, on Christmas Day. And you know what, Angel, uh, Nick, I, I have mixed feelings. I'm grateful that it's going to be clear. It's going to be sunny. But Christmas, you know, I feel like I should be putting on one of those old Bill Cosby sweaters or something <laughs> on Christmas Day. Now, listen, I, it, it's, it is weird. Don't get me wrong, because it, especially down here, the biggest thing the headache you used to was moving down here, like you don't see Santa Claus and like reindeers and stuff because it's always, it's dry, it's hot. So it, it took some adjustment originally. But then you have some folks where you end up seeing the, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? You'll have Santa Claus now in Bermuda shorts, Bermuda <laughs> t-shirts. So it's the adjustment's been pretty good, but I can't complain because the weather down here is absolutely fantastic. So I have no complaints when it comes to the weather. But Andy, I, I want to talk about, first of all, Couple things that it, which is near and dear to our hearts. One is, you know, your years being with the Eagles, uh, drafted by the Eagles, then sent over to uh, DC, if I remember correctly, then came back 2001 to 2005 season, which uh, it, it's always good to see someone come back home, especially when he start off. It would have been great to see you win a Super Bowl, but hey, things happen. But I, I would like to know before we get into as far as the coaching talk, what exactly want to make you play a professional sport? And was that your first desire as a child growing up? It absolutely was. I mean, Angel, when I was young and I first watched my first NFL football game, I was probably second, third grade. I said, that's what I want to do. Like, that's that's what I'm going to do. That's what I want to do. It sounds corny now, but I'm thankful every night I'll pray to God please let me make it to the NFL and, you know, I'll do this, that, or the other when I was a little kid. It was just something watching Walter Payton out there, the 85 Bears when I was just a youngster. I knew it was something, it was a dream that I just had to fulfill. It got to the point where it wasn't even about will I, I hope. It was like I have to make it to the NFL. That was my thought process as a youngster. No, and believe me, it's got to be something when you're able to, you know, when you can achieve something, and when you're dreaming about something and making it happen, it's got to be the most fulfilling thing in the world because it, a lot of us obviously would love to play a professional sport. A lot of us would love to do things professionally. And sometimes you put your heart and soul and mind into it, and then something happens along the way. For a lot of the players that we've seen in on, during the college ranks, they've you know it's been a busted up ankle, a knee, or something else, and preventing them to to move on to the NFL. And I, you feel bad as well because the only tough part is if you know that you would have been able to make it in the NFL and due to that injury, I, for me personally, because I, I can naturally see I'm not an athlete, but it's gotta be the toughest thing in the world to not be able to make it knowing that you were so close and that was what your dream was made of. So thank God you were able to make it. Thank God for years you played. Uh, I'm pretty sure ending your career with the, uh, with the Texans had to be something as they were just coming onto the scene and, I know we see it, we hear it all over the place. We we see what's going on with the Texans. But I think come next year, as things start to get ironed out out there in, in Houston, I think it'll be a just much turnaround year because not every year, as we've seen with many, many teams, they're gonna continue that success, that pace, that you know, all everything that, that we've seen them do before. With Bill O'Brien, we know that he started changing the culture out there in Houston. Obviously, he's moved on, and now it's just Almost like the Eagles, there's a bit of disarray because everyone's trying to make sense of something that it's hard to make sense of. Just like in Philly, where you have Nick Sirianni, 
brand new coaching staff, brand new head coach. And it's tough for the Philly faithful to just take that all in and understand that it's their first year. You are just not going to win a Super Bowl. You may not even make the playoffs the first year. So being in Houston and watching what the Texans are doing, we know the fans, as, as was discussed on, on the Tuesday show, as far as the GM being in the ear that a, a lot of people got caught by surprise when the, uh, when the plays are going, when the game's going, you got the GM here in Philadelphia with Harry Roseman, same exact way that he's just constantly in someone's ear, leaning all the way up to the game time. And to me, and I know your callers had, had discussed about, you know, is it too much? Is it too little? Do you want the GM to be in your ear? Uh, my thing is, is that the general manager sure is his responsibility for obviously a good draft to make sure he puts a good office together, meaning your assistants, your coaches, your players. Do I think it's a bit much for someone to be in someone's ear during the game? That to me is a little extreme. So I, I like to know your take. And I know you talked about it the other day, but I like to know your take is, is it too much for a GM to be too much in your ear? I believe so. So for the story here in Houston, it came out that Nick Casario, the general manager of the Texans, he would be on a headset during the actual game talking to the head coach. Look, <laughs> they run the team. Whatever they want to do, they have the right to do it. But as a player, it, it just seems odd that that was the hierarchy and the hierarchy of the general manager being on the headset with the coach. My thought is if you really have faith in the person you hired to be a head coach, you don't need to talk to him during a football game. But I also threw out there, Angel, because I don't ever want to be that guy. Oh, back when I played, this is how we did it. Well, back when I played, when it was Joe Banner, Tom Modrak, we, we didn't really see them. We, we didn't see them. We knew they were over there making sure the roster was where it needed to be. And when we did see them, we were like, uh-oh, somebody's ass getting cut. Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> but it wasn't a situation where, like you see in Houston, where the general manager is running gassers with the team and is out there, uh, you know, trying to be a coach, a player, a general manager. If it works, that's fine. But it, it just seemed very odd to me uh, when you talk about division of labor, that a general manager is being involved in play calling during the game. Right. Now, I, I will say again, going back to you coming up now, as, as we talk a little Houston, little Eagles here as well, coming up and then you have the ability now to be drafted through the NFL. Now that you're, you're, you're done with the NFL, what was the ultimate call from which team out of the 32, which being, I guess, 31 at the time or even 30 uh, before? No, because the Texans were around. So the, out of the 32 teams, which team did you primarily want to hear from first? Well, growing up in San Antonio, Dallas, <laughs> you, you know, so uh, you look, I can't say that when I'm in Philly, I'll get killed. But uh, <laughs> growing up, if I'm going to be truthful, growing up either D Dallas or Houston. But when I was drafted, Houston was on their way out to Tennessee. So you didn't really know how that situation was going to unfold. So, but, but look, I know it's the political answer. It's the diplomatic answer when you're at that point And when you're a fifth round pick, so all these names have been called before yours, you don't care who calls your name. I, I don't care if it's in green Bay, Buffalo. I, I just wanted to go. So to get Ray Rhodes on the phone with me and he asked me if I wanted to be a Philadelphia Eagle, that, that was the best sound at the time. And Dee, do you remember your pre-draft experience? Like, did they have you have like a pro day, a combine, all that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, good question, Nick. Yeah, no, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, we, we went to the combine in Indianapolis. Uh, funny story. They roomed me with a guy who snored so bad. And keep in mind. Let, let me step back. 
this is the biggest job interview in the history of job interviews for an athlete who wants to play in the NFL. It's this two-day event called the Combine. So you have to be on point in everything you do. I'm already undersized. I'm coming from the smallest Division I school in the nation at Rice University, and the chips are stacked against me. So I have to put on a perfect show. I get to my room. They room me with some guy. He's snoring so loud. I, I just can't <laughs> sleep. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't sleep. I have to run the 40 tomorrow. And I remember it was so bad. I had to get my, my uh, pillow, my blanket, and I just slept in the hallway. And one of the scouts, you know, they've been out drinking or whatever. So he was walking. He sees me sleeping. He's like, man, what's going on? Does the guy have a girl in there? I was like, nah, he's snoring so bad that I can't even sleep. And I remember he said, oh, man, it can't be that bad. I said, don't even open the door. So he put his ear against the door. And these are big, you know, sturdy hotel doors. And he can hear it. And he's like, this sucks. We got to find something for you, to, you know. So God bless him. He went downstairs, found me a room. But by that time, it was already 3 in the morning. So he got me another room. So I was just scared, nervous, because I didn't get a full night's of rest. And I knew that I was going to have to be at my best. Now, the the big thing, uh, one is, I, I mean, like I said, I, I couldn't imagine just waiting for a phone call from, from the draft. You don't want to speak to Ray Rhodes. And, and God bless the man, because, again, he tried everything he could with the Eagles. But when you met Ray Rhodes for the first time, what was the experience like as being just obviously coming from the college ranks, going to the NFL, and now you're speaking to your first professional head coach? What was the experience like with Ray Rhodes? It let me know that I was in the big leagues uh, coming again from Rice. Now, don't get it wrong. Uh, don't get me wrong. When I was at Rice, we were in the Southwest Conference. We played Texas A&M, University of Texas. We played some big-time football. Coach Ken Hatfield, very conservative, religious, reserved, great man, was my coach. Then when I go and see Ray Rose, again, another great man, but I don't think he could say two words without cursing. So I just wasn't used to that. And I was like, wow, okay, this is big. You, you can actually say that word to your players. So it, it let me know that Ray Rose knew he was talking to men, treated them like men, and he spoke to them however he felt necessary. But just the whole experience, not just Ray Rhodes, Emmett Thomas, Hall of Famer Emmett Thomas was our defensive coordinator. And then growing up in San Antonio, the Detmers, they're living legends. So to see Ty Detmer as the quarterback, uh, Ricky Waters was the running back when I was a rookie. And I remember watching him on television. So it, it was just a, an awesome introduction to the NFL, just seeing guys that I grew up watching and knowing that these are my teammates now. Yeah. You have Nick. Give me one second here. Uh, Dave Wallencheck says, uh, "Any what's on your music playlist?" Is, is it the Eagles? And I think as he's referring to, is obviously the band, not the actual, the actual team. What he said, "What's on my playlist?" Yeah, he said, "What's on your music playlist?" Well, it's not the Eagles. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if I misheard him. Now, now, I mean, I'm old and boring, so it's a little more jazz uh, because. I have to play things in my office for my brokers that I own that won't offend anybody. So you know, I can't play Rick Ross and uh, 21 Savage. <laughs> so it, it's a lot of jazz and Anita Baker. But but young Nick, I'm sure you could appreciate this. I'll get turned up when I work out and listen to some of these youngsters uh, like 21 Savage. But that's only on my, my workout playlist. But for the most part, it's uh, old R&B and jazz. Bumping think, a little 21. I can respect that. <laughs> I think the uh, the funny part is, is when uh, listening to obviously the show and, and for everyone, by the way, who's tuning in tonight, 
First of all, we have Andy Kalou from In the Trenches, and you guys can find him on Sports Talk 790 AM, obviously on the iHeartRadio app. So if you guys have the iHeartRadio, look for him on In the Trenches, Sports Talk 790 from 10 to 12 Central Standard Time. So if you guys ever watch when I put CST, it's for Central Standard Time. So for the East Coast, it would be from 11 to 1. The great thing was when I went up there during the Thanksgiving break, and I was uh, surprised by coming in the studio with, with you and Big Sarge, uh, sitting back behind before I went in to, to speak with you guys, I think the greatest thing was when you said about, uh, which is Harry Styles, and you called him Harry Skittles, yeah. trying to figure out what his, <laughs> what his name was. And I, I almost ended up losing it just from, from listening to that. But it was uh, – a. It's funny because I even today, I think you guys were talking about like every day you guys bring up different music and I heard the ones you guys were bringing up today. And it's just funny where some people can hear certain songs and some people don't. And so it's it's new, but it's great to hear your your take when either if Jacob's doing something in there or Big Sarge told him to throw something in there or Chris Gordy. It, it's always funny to hear you guys always talk about the different music genres and then how everything kind of applies to the show. But this week, by the way, between this week and last week, I've been fortunate because usually, as I told you when we were up in the studio, normally when I'm training somebody, it's kind of hard to listen to the show. But the last two weeks have been completely on point. It's been, it flies. I mean, that's why I always say on Twitter, it is the fastest two-hour sports show that you can hear on the radio. No, and I appreciate that. We, we just have a good time, man. I've been doing this thing for about 10 years now, and every time we get to the one-hour point, I'm always blown away, like, oh, wow, we've already – you know, gone through an hour, but that Harry uh, Styles, I believe, from is it One Direction? Yeah, it was with One Direction before. Hey, he's good. I need to add yeah. him to my. I can't lie. You know, a lot of guys don't want to uh, admit to liking somebody from a boy band, but that 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 young brother can sing. So I like me some Harry Styles now. <laughs> he is good, Nick. That's hilarious. Uh, and D, we were talking a little bit. Um, you said you came in. You, it was, you know, talking to Ray Rhodes and all that. What, what was the biggest difference uh, preparation-wise from going from college to the NFL for you? you? You know, the amount of time that you're allotted to actually prepare. When you're in college, you you know, you're at Clemson. I'm sure you know what goes on with the football program. You have practice, but then you have to go study. Then you have to take tests. You have to write papers. So within a eight-hour workday, you know, half of it's going to be dedicated dedicated to football, the other half to your academics when you get to the NFL and that's what helps me. And I believe that's what helped me. It's just all football. So the cool thing is, even though they're throwing a lot at you in the NFL, when you go home, it's not like, Oh crap, I got to write this 20 page paper and then study my playbook. It was no, I'm just go study my playbook now and study it more than, you know, whatever I need to do. So yeah, the, the biggest surprise shock, well, there's so many of them, uh, but was the amount of time we were able to dedicate to our craft, to our sport. Yeah. Now, dealing with as as far as when you came back uh, in 2001 to 2005, you got Andy Reid uh, that's coming up now as a coming from the Packers, obviously learning how to become a head coach and then taking his team to, to a, a different level. Coming back to Philly, dealing with Andy Reid, what was the difference between Ray Rhodes to Andy Reid? You know, that's a great question. I don't know how fair it is for me to answer because my rookie year, I was a deer in headlights, eyes wide open. Then I broke my hand. And, you know, it seemed like the team and what was going on with me was in disarray. And then I left that year. So what happened is I was drafted by Philadelphia, uh, made the team my first year, broke my thumb, stopped. I didn't play. Then they brought in 
Hugh Douglas. Yeah. And then I got cut and I went to Washington for three years, kind of proved to myself and to the NFL I could play. Then I came back and signed a five-year deal with Philadelphia. So when I came back, Angel and Nick, the the team, Andy Reid is very, very, very organized. He's a great delegator. If I was a billionaire, regardless of what industry I was in, I would hire him to run the company, even if he didn't know anything about it. Because one, he'll learn about it. Two, he'll delegate. And three, he has a, a talent when it comes to organization. So the team was just organized when I came back. Like it, we knew, we knew to the second where we were going to be on the practice field, meetings, uh, our breaks. It, everything was just so organized. And that's the one thing that I remember when I came back to Philadelphia, the business structure uh, that they would run the organization with. ND, um, we all view Andy Reid as kind of an offensive guy. He played defensive end. How much communication is there between a, an offensive-minded coach and, and the defense? Is there, a, is there a lot you talk to? Would you like talk to Andy a lot on a weekly basis, or how does that work? You know, people always think that I'm about to follow it up by saying something negative. I get that question a lot. And in my five years with Andy Reid, I may have said a hundred words to him. And I still think he's the best coach that I've been around because he did such a great job delegating. So it wasn't like, I don't want to talk to him. Maybe he didn't want to talk to me, but it wasn't that it was, he was such a great delegator and he hired great people. Tommy Brazier was my defensive line coach who had been in the league for 50 plus years. The late, great Jim Johnson, may his beautiful soul rest in peace, was our defensive coordinator. And yeah. if you know anything about the NFL, anything about defense, you have Dick LeBeau, Jim Johnson, and those are the best when it comes to defensive coordinators. So to answer your question, Nick, there was no need for me to talk to Andy in a good way. If Tommy Brazier was such a great coach, everything I needed to know I got from Tommy Brazier. Jimmy Johnson, Jim Johnson was the best, in my opinion, defensive coordinator. And he was like our our coach. If you talk to Bobby Taylor, uh, Troy Vincent, uh, Brian Dawkins, Hugh Douglas, like Jim Johnson was like our coach. That was our guy. So the only time we heard from uh, Andy, Big Red, as we called him, before games, pep talk, the Friday, excuse me, the Saturday night before the games in the hotel, uh, he'll talk to us. Um, yeah, to tell you the truth, I, I can't even remember any kind of conversation with Andy Reid, but I still have so much respect for him as a man and as a leader. I think the, the big thing, Dave and Rick, hang on to your questions there. By the way, uh, Honey said, ouch, on your thumb there, in case you end up missing it, She uh, as you were as you were talking about it there. And uh, Timbuktu, I see you from Redline Radio LLC. Timbuktu doing good things over there. Uh, by the way, Troy, a couple things here. One is Troy Vincent. How amazing is it from where he started to where he is now at the NFL and someone who is, again, just dedicated, dedicated not only to the, his craft as far as playing the game, but then the ability to be able to move up and keep progressing forward. And I don't think he's done yet as far as, you know, being where he wants to be in his NFL career. No, if you know Troy, you're not surprised. I mean, that's how he conducted himself in the locker room as a football player. Uh, when we played, he owned multiple businesses. Uh, when everybody else was getting ready to go to the club after practice or after a game, he was going to work. He was putting a suit and tie on to go into a networking event. I'm not surprised one bit that he succeeded the way he has uh, after his playing days. And when he becomes commissioner, uh, I'm going to tell a bunch of people, yeah, I told you so, because 
he's that impressive. He's that sharp. He's that business minded. He's that great of a leader that I'm not surprised at all. Well, I hope that he does because no offense to Roger Goodell. I'm not a Roger Goodell fan whatsoever, only because he just continues to change his mind up so much. And then when he says he's going to support something, he doesn't support it, or he just thinks it's the thing for the moment, uh, as we've seen many times with Roger Goodell. So I, I hope that Troy Vincent does get to that leadership position. And I think that's when you'll see the bigger changes in, in the NFL that need to be done. But there's uh, two comments that I see up here, at least two questions. Uh, one, Dave says that who is the best teammate I guess you ever played with? Ooh, great question, David. Hard to answer. But for me personally, Derek Burgess, uh, defensive end, pass rusher, balled out with the Eagles, went to the Raiders. But he was also like my best friend on the team. But there, we had it sounds you know corny now, and I don't know if you'll get the essence of it. But back back when I played, you know, training camp was hard. Like it, it's not like what it was now. We would go to Lehigh University. We'll be there for a legit six weeks, sleeping on some little cot. It felt like you're almost in a jail cell. And there'll be days where you wake up and you're thinking to yourself, I can barely move. How am I going to make it through a two-hour practice and then another two-hour practice in the, in the evening? And Burgess and I would always have this little back and forth where he'll ask me, hey, how do you feel? Then before I can answer, he'll say an explicit and be like, it doesn't matter because you got to go out there and work. And like for whatever reason, that would just kind of, you know, get me like, okay, he's right. I got to go do it. Like it, it was a way of – him saying, don't feel sorry for yourself. And I'll ask him, hey, how do you feel? It uh, doesn't matter. We got to go finish this practice. So that that was the best teammate that I ever had. And he carried me through some hard times. Now, I, I will use your line here for a second before I get to Rick's question. As the one thing I do enjoy when you say on your show, uh, in case you guys have tuned in, welcome in, welcome back, as you love to say on your show there. Uh, and, in, you know, for everyone who's just joined us here, we have Andy Kalu, former defensive end for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, now on Sports Talk 790 from 10 to 12 Central Standard Time on In the Trenches with Chris Gordy and uh, with Big Sarge and Jacob Beck behind the glass. So, uh, and, and those guys do an amazing job over there. Chris Gordy, he's, you know, the, the knowledge that gentleman has as well. It's your show, as I told you guys, even the studio, even though I didn't, I didn't get a chance to meet Chris when I was up there, but as far as how you guys flow, how everything just keeps going. It, it's amazing. Like it, you guys, there's never that hiccup or that little gap in between. You guys can't find something to say because something flows all the time. And then speaking of flowing, something you had mentioned today, as far as if anybody has seen any kind of uh, old 80s movies, as far as like break dancing or anything else like that. And I do remember showing you this and I, I still have it for those that hopefully can see. This is back in the day in the 80s when you talk about breakdancing, not only part one, but also part two, just so in case I got to go back you know, to bringing out the cardboard floor, the towel floor, in case we have to bust the moves here, but I can't do it here in the studio as much as I want to. That is hilarious. <laughs> but I see Rick's question. He says that I saw Vincent Jackson's cause of death was from excessive drinking. Is that a big problem in the NFL? Great question. I just saw that yesterday also, Rick. I'll tell you when it becomes a problem, when you retire. When you retire and you're looking for something to fill that void and you just can't get it from anywhere, a lot of guys go to the bottle. At one point years ago, I found myself drinking more than I usually have in the past. And it's definitely something that is a problem once you retire. Now, 
I'm not saying guys don't drink while they're playing. They drink, but then they sweat it out, sit in the sauna, and you have so much structure and so many things that you have to focus on. Uh, you don't have that time. But when you're retired and you don't have anything to do, you have money in the bank so you don't have to work, it, it does become a problem. That's a very good question. What do you uh, – how do you recommend you – said, you said that you weren't – you were there obviously not as bad as uh, Vincent Jackson, but what do you tell retired players that maybe are getting there? How do they, how do they get themselves out? Get busy. Find something to do. Uh, e- even if you have $10 million and sitting in the bank and you don't have to work, you still have to find something to do. You don't want to be idle. Well, they say idle minds is the devil's playground. That's yeah. one of the realest statements out there. Like, that's so real. And if it's football you like, get, get into coaching. Even if you don't want to be an NFL coach, uh, a college coach, coach the neighborhood high school team. My man, Jacoby Jones, a, a guy that I was at the bar with a lot here in Houston, he ended up coaching uh, a high school team in Baltimore, and it gave him something to do. He doesn't have to work another day in his life. So, uh, Nick, a big thing is these guys have to figure out exactly what interests them outside of football and just embrace it. And, it's, it's, you know, we, we hear about, and I, I don't understand, Indy, the one thing is that as much as the players are told to start curbing a lot of the head-to-head contact, we still see it, and I don't understand it for a life of me. Is they've been trying to make the helmets more impactful, that it's supposed to absorb most of the shot going to the brain. But we continue to see these players still putting their head down before they're going to make contact. And you can hear it, I mean, clear as day now with these microphones, as they've gotten better and better during gameplay, you can hear that crack of that helmet. And even some of the guys out there catching a pass, sometimes just a run, and it could be just something where they're falling backwards, and we see them just becoming unconscious. And then they have to go through the safety protocol, as they should. And I'm glad the NFL has definitely stepped up on that behalf to make sure these players are eligible to come back, not just one of these things, let me go ahead and you know rub a quarter zone shot on you, bring you back out there and keep playing. Because we've seen guys pass now from the NFL because of issues they've had from these helmet-to-helmet hits, from all these impacts that he had. I mean, your body goes through it. And again, me not as an athlete, but you, you know, for what do you guys prepare for leading up to the season, the entire season? Now, if you make it deep in the playoffs, you're going to Super Bowl. I mean, that time off you guys have, you know, people think that first month you have is enough time to recover. That takes a while for your body to recover back, especially depending on, on how hard you played, the injuries, you know, you guys play for bonus. There's so many different elements that come into the game. But I'm wondering how much more can the NFL afford to have these guys, other than basically tossing them out the game for a flagrant foul, but how much longer are we going to continue seeing these head-to-head impacts where it seems like now, guys, it's not even the head-to-head impacts. Now we start seeing guys taking out knees and ankles to the point where they don't want these players coming in for the rest of the game. So how much longer is it before Goodell actually does something about it? See, you know what? Here's where you and I would respectfully disagree on this topic because you just mentioned you're still seeing head-to-head contact, which you're 100% correct. You are seeing it. But mm-hmm. in my opinion, just my humble opinion, I, it doesn't appear to be intentional. Like, you, you can't – I don't know how people can see me, but I'm seeing uh, Nick right now on my screen. If right. I'm aiming for his, his chest, if I'm trying to make a clean hit and I'm aiming for his chest, and he gets the ball, he's naturally going to just duck down. And then our helmets are going to collide. And guess what? The defensive player gets a 15-yard penalty, gets fined $30,000, gets good, smart people like yourself, Angel, saying, wow, that was a dirty hit. When I watch football now, 
first I have to remind myself is inherently dangerous sport. It, it's just a dangerous game. I don't know what defensive players are supposed to do because you took it a step further and you even said now you're seeing guys go low and hit them in their knees. We just saw Chris Godwin, a great wide receiver out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His season's over, torn ACL. When you look at the hit back when I was playing, you'd be like, man, that was kind of dirty. Why'd you go so low? But now when I look at it, in my mind, I think, man, that guy was trying to make a clean hit. And if your initial aiming point, if your initial target is the wide receiver, offensive player's chest and below, you better make it lower because once that wide receiver ducks his head, you may have had every intention to hit him in the chest for a clean hit. But once the receiver ducks, you're going to have head-to-head contact. So now you have to make your aiming point, your target, the the hip or lower and then it does appear to be dirty but i really believe those are guys who are actually trying to have clean hits because it, it i i'll get off my soapbox but when i watch <laughs> college football uh-huh. oh man when, when i see what i consider to be a good defensive play and a defensive player a 19 year old guy get kicked out of the game like he's some thug criminal that bothers me to no end like Yes, I applaud the NFL for trying to make the game safer, but we also have to understand it's a very, very dangerous game. ND, do you have any hits you remember where you were like, wow, I, I really just got him, like, really good? Like, any any like individual tackle or hit or anything like that that, like, stuck out to you more than the rest? Oh, quite a few. Um, and the, the best hits when I got hit are the ones I don't remember because it knocked me a little <laughs> bit unconscious. Back then, we didn't have, you know, all this protocol. So I, I do remember when I – the year after I came back to Philly, uh, it was a guard pull, and the guard hit me so hard. When I was playing for Philly, we were playing against Washington. He hit me so hard. I saw all my former teammates from Washington, and I was like, oh, that's the huddle I'm supposed to be in. So I started walking over there, and John Jansen, the big offensive tackle, he, like, turned me around, pushed me, and said, no, you're an eagle now. And, you know, pushed me to the Eagle huddle. And we all kind of laughed about it when we watched it on film. But, you know, nowadays I probably would have missed two weeks or so. But, you know, so there's all kind of times where you get hit and what we call cobwebs. Now we know those were actual concussions. It's a, a, yeah, and I know that, again, because what's seen out there on the field and what we see on TV, it's, 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 it's pretty if you see it slow down, you know, it's kind of hard to see as far as what what could have been dirty, what could have been clean. Now there's been plenty of plays that I know that I've seen this year as far you know as well, where you can hear the contact, but then once you get to see the replay, then it's like, okay, I, I can see it. Some of them again, some of these guys, there was uh was it Thursday night? Eagles played Tuesday night, and it was looked like a horse collar grab on Jalen Hurts coming from the inside, even a hold. Yeah, and then there was nothing done. Like, I don't know where the refs were. And then you have times where the refs, which I think they're kind of getting a little bit too much control of it as well, because, all right, everybody should have the opportunity of, of celebrating. The excessive celebration flag, you know, the taunting flag, which I, that's the one I will say that I don't agree with, because, come on, it's part of the game. You mean to tell me that you can't walk away and just, like, shrug your shoulders just a little bit from somebody just because either it was a good hit or he got you or something else? And now we're just throwing out these flagrant fouls you know, and all these different just flags, which to me, it just seems a little bit too ridiculous. And you like, let the players play when it gets to the, this point here. So I, I just, I don't know. I, I would love to know your take. Is it too much 
that the referees are being involved with? And it, do they need to kind of step back maybe next season, this offseason, and see, okay, how many times are we going to view on tape that that really shouldn't have had a flag thrown out there? Oh, 100%. And here's the thing. I don't blame the refs. They're doing what they're told. They're doing what their supervisors are instructing them to do. I, You know what? I don't even like the taunting. I don't like the act of taunting. So I'm not even worried about throwing a flag on taunting. If you hit somebody hard, you don't need to stand over them. Like, you have to have a respect for your colleague. Uh, it sounds like we're about to disagree on something else. But the, the horse collar? Mm-hmm. That's one of the worst calls of football. When you tackle – and that game, I don't know if y'all remember this. The reason for that rule was when we were – I was on the field playing for the Eagles against the Dallas Cowboys, and Roy Williams' uh, horse collar tackled Terrell Owens and broke yeah. Terrell Owens' leg. And that's when Terrell Owens famously came back like a, a man-child from that injury and played in the Super Bowl. That right. after, The year after that is when they uh, had the first year of the horse collar rule. Mm-hmm. But – like, let's think about it. When you talk about horse collar, when you are chasing somebody from behind and you reach and all you can grab is the back of his uh, shoulder pads, right. that's literally the last thing you can do. So when we start throwing penalties for horse collar, to me, indirectly, you're saying, don't try to make that play. Like, don't try to make the play. It, because you you very rarely see it when you're close enough to the offensive ball carrier to where you can actually wrap him up or you can grab another part of his body. When you see a horse collar, that's when a defensive player is reaching and grabbing the last piece of equipment, piece of the body he can grab to bring down the ball carrier. And and again, one guy broke his leg. Like this is football. Like it happens. And to say that you're supposed to give up on a play when you get to that position, to me, it sends a bad message to football players. So Yes, I think the rules should change. I don't blame the refs because somebody's telling the ref, you better call this or, you know, you're going to get a, an X and you're not going to have enough check marks to, to ref in the playoff game. But it's – I get what the NFL wants the people to think that they're trying to do. Right. What do you think about defenses? I mean, you got rough in the past year. You have all these holdings – Right, a holding on the defense is much more costly than a holding on the offense, stuff like that. Like, what do you think about the NFL? Like, basically saying, "Hey, defense, like we're gonna make your lives as hard as possible because our fans want to see points on the board. Our fans don't want to see good hand technique, or they don't want to see a guy doing great in coverage." What What are your thoughts on the NFL? Basically saying, "Hey, defense, like we don't care. We want we want points." Just what you said. I mean, it's obvious they don't care. The defensive players are second-class citizens. And I'm not complaining. I'm not whining. I sound like I'm whining. But but I'll say this on the flip side. As a businessman, as a business owner, I get that you have to cater to the masses. And the masses would rather see Jalen Hurts throw a 50-yard touchdown to Greg Ward than they, they would want to see, you know, a, a great play by a cornerback. So I get it. But it, it's, there, there are some plays where – as a defensive back, I don't know what he could have done. Like when the ball's underthrown, right. and the defensive back is you know running to defend the the wide receiver, and the wide receiver stops because it's an underthrown ball, and he runs into him. If I'm the coach, I would be the worst defensive back coach in the world. <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> you know, what can you do? Like, I don't have any coaching points for you because to play defensive back in this game is it, tough now. I would bet. 
Nick, you have something else? Um, yeah, sure. So um, you mentioned the Eagles a little bit. Uh, Jalen Hurts, do you like, not like? What do you what do you want to see from him this last four games? He's got three years left on his deal, so he's got quite a while. What do, what do you want to see from him uh, over these next, I guess, couple starts before the playoffs start? You know, that's a good question. We even, with our show being in Houston, we don't get to talk too much uh, about Philadelphia, but we spent a whole segment on this, Nick, with uh, Jalen Hurts. The thought now for me with what I saw in this past game, man, you could build around him. You know, you have three first-round picks. I wouldn't try to get too cute and start packaging deals. If it was me, I I would say, hey, Jalen Hurts appears to be like the type of individual who's going to continue to get better, who's going to put the work in. I know he's not great with the downfield passes. I think his completion percentage for downfield passes is like 30% or less. So it has to get better. But And I could be wrong, but he just seems like he's somebody that will do what he has to do to improve. So if you have that type of talent who's giving you 700-plus yards rushing and another 2,700 yards passing uh, and, what, 10 rushing touchdowns on top of what he's thrown, man, I think you could build around him. It's not going to look like an Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to look like a Tom Brady, but it's going to look productive when it's all said and done. I I would be excited about building around Jalen Hurts if I was running the Eagles organization. And, D, I think Angel and I would agree with you. I, um, I've i gotten the ability to uh, watch a bit of Jalen Hurts, and he just seems like a leader amongst men. And I think as a quarterback – um, normally the best quarterbacks are the, are the ones who are the, who are the leaders in the, in the room, the guys who got, who can kind of stand up a little bit more. So hundred percent agree with you there. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't really have much else to say on Jalen hurts. I guess I, I like to see him complete more passes in general, not just downfield. I think he's like at around 62% and the game today, not as aggressive as it once was. You'd like to see him in the 65, 66 range, but I think for now, where he's at, I think I think you kind of take that. Let me ask you this, Nick. As an Eagles fan, and I'm coming from the Houston point of view now, if I offered you Deshaun Watson for Jalen Hurts and two of your three first round picks, would you would you make that trade? Well, so I'm not an Eagles fan, actually. Oh. Um, I, so actually, I met I'm an Angel in, in Tampa, and that's and that's how I've kind of gotten into the whole Eagles thing. Um, gotcha. I love I love Deshaun Watson as a as a Clemson guy, but just his legal issues, I just I don't want to deal with it. To be honest, I'm like, yeah, like he might be better, more talented, but the legal issues, you're like, uh, I, I got so. You. Personally, I'd say no, and we don't we don't know what Deshaun Watson is right now. To be fair, we we really don't know. We haven't seen him play in a year. You know, he's probably a little bit skinnier than than he uh, he would be, and probably take him a little bit to get back into football shape. I mean, we're seeing it with Ezekiel. We saw it with Ezekiel Elliott for a while, right? He he held out, and it's kind of he he kind of has never been the same since. So that's true. And I got and the the great thing is. And Nick, I'm glad you got the same question because I got it when I was on air. And I and I said that back then, I'll still say it now. There's no reason for us to get rid of Jalen Hurts. I don't believe. There's so much potential with with him. And the, the same way as we talked about Andy Kalu on air, that you have, first of all, let me remind everybody, a first-year head coach, first-year quarterbacks coach, first-year lineman's coach, all these are first-year coaches with this organization. So Jalen Hurts hasn't gotten the opportunity and even the line that he needs in front of him 
to see what his full potential is. And I know you'll hear it on the Philly market. I know you'll hear it sometimes in, in other media outlets that they feel like it, there's, it's almost like a give up point. Like people don't believe he should be the quarterback of the future here for the Eagles. And there'll, there'll probably be comments that are coming up uh, on the screen here momentarily. But for me, there's no reason why you got to pull the plug on Jalen Hurts in his very first season. Wait to see what he does in year two. Then you start talking about, okay, will he be the future? What does he need to work on? But if you bail on every single quarterback that we have, we saw we went through with Carson Wentz. Now he's doing good things over there in Indy. Not saying he'll win a Super Bowl because they haven't gotten to that point yet, but the first step is for him to make the playoffs. So for me, Jalen Hurts should remain an Eagle until we see something otherwise. I think right now, as far as having the control of that locker room, and I don't mean that in like anywhere like everybody's going to listen to me, mean that he is accountable for all of his actions. He takes personally what he did wrong in the game, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent. He tries to make sure that he communicates with everybody. Everybody knows that anything you do in life, communication is the biggest key that you should have. So Jalen Hurts has a much bigger upside, I believe, than with Deshaun Watson. And Nick, just like you said, we haven't seen what, what Deshaun has done this season. But for me, there's no reason why to bail on this kid. That line that we have, the offensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles right now, it's not any better and nothing against Tampa Bay, the defending Super Bowl champions, because their front line is going through it the same exact thing. So I think you get a better front line for Jalen Hurts. We're talking about a complete different quarterback. That's why he's become the leading rusher of the team, because what else are you going to do? It's either you're going to get nailed every single time by the defensive unit that's coming through, or you're going to have thrown the ball away nine times out of ten. Now, does he hang on to the ball a little bit longer than he should? Yeah, I've, I've made that argument beforehand as well throughout the season. But I think there's no reason why people just think, and I know Gardner Minshew came in, God forbid, I know it was against the New York Jets, nothing against the Jets, but you're playing against the Jets. That should have been a win. Just like on Tuesday night, should have been a probably a bigger blowout against, you know, DCU. By the way, Andy, I don't like to call it the Washington football team that I call them DCU because to me, it's the District Columbia University out there in DC, so they can't figure out their names or what they want to do. But when it comes to, when it comes to DCU, they, it, that should have been a landslide. And, and it wasn't. So nothing is guaranteed on any given now, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays, but you got to play. And he's playing smart ball. It's just getting his feet acclimated. It's getting used to a system. It's getting used to new coaches. It will come around. I think everybody's just got to pump the brakes just a little bit. Uh, one thing, two comments here, one by Rick. He says that the best, the best hit he had ever seen was Keith Byers taking out Pepper Johnson. Looked it up. Incredible. And Keith Byers, I, I talk about name, you know, from the past. And Sean, who, who brings tons of knowledge every single week, wow. he says one of the best comebacks, the walk-off punt, the Eagles uh, 38 to 31 against the Giants, December 19th, 2010, East Rutherford, New Jersey. New York had a had taken a commanding 31-10 fourth quarter lead. But Philadelphia quarterback Michael Vick threw two touchdown passes, ran another for another score to tie the game at 31-31. Then the Giants punt as the clock wound down, and Deshaun Jackson bobbled the ball, returning it for 65 yards for a touchdown as Tom fired, making marking the first time in the NFL history that this occurred. Uh, and unfortunately, the rest of the comment didn't come in. But uh, again, it, it was like the miracle of the Meadowlands first time around, Andy. I mean, it's 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 crazy. Even Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson may not have gotten the best out of Philly. Unfortunately, when Chip Kelly came around, now he's trying to, I guess, at this point, finish out his legacy out there with the Raiders. But Deshaun should have remained an Eagle. And unfortunately, things didn't work out. But you got to give it to the man. At least he, he's tried. 
He's trying to do the best he can to help out every team. Lord knows he burned the Eagles when the Eagles went down there in 2018 to Tampa Bay. First play from uh, Fitzmagic, a big bomb down the field. So, you know, it's just things happen for a reason. But, yeah, it's just the way it is. And I, I know you got to run here shortly because you got many things to do here tonight. But I, I want to play back something here. And I know you, you weren't as far as part of this. But this is part of Philly, is part of history from what we've seen. And since I guess uh, since you didn't get the chance to celebrate Super Bowl with the guys, I want you to celebrate with us as we saw it in Philly. So just to, because you're here, obviously you are an Eagle. You're forever be an Eagle, regardless of, of whatever team you play with, especially with DC, we'll hold, we won't hold against you. But even though you play with them, but I, I, I want to show this here because it's been a while since, uh, since we've all seen this. So give me a second here. Oh, there is a ton of them. We fight for 
Now, Andy, you know more than anybody in this city, right? It is the toughest thing to do to impress the fan base, to be hard-nosed football, to be one with this city. And I will say this much, and, and Christopher, thank you for the, for the comments. Fly, Eagles fly. Nice to meet a legend. Thank you for tuning in, Chris. We appreciate it. Uh, I will say that moment, and, I, and I'm going to bring in my co-host here at the same time because I know he's on the road, but that moment in history, you talk about waiting 52 years for the greatness, for the biggest celebration this city has ever seen. And at that time, when I was going through it, that could have been at the most perfect time. And even in Philly, because there was a lot of people that were going through it. I wish that you were part of it back when they should have done it and took care of business in 2005. But I'll tell you this much, Andy, for just that day, that week, I didn't go to work, by the way, the whole entire week. I, I called out the whole week because I was just in celebration mode. But I know for you, respectfully as an Eagle, as a former Eagle, to understand what that moment meant to all of us. And I wish you were part of it. So I want to make you part of it by celebrating with us tonight. Well, I feel like I was a part of it. And I haven't told too many people this. So every Super Bowl, even when I played, if we weren't playing in it or if I wasn't in my uh, the town that I was playing for, me and my father, we watched the Super Bowl together. And when the Eagles won it, I watched it upstairs at this house in my movie room. And usually when the Super Bowl's over, it's like, okay, you know, I take my dad home and just go about my day. When the Eagles won it, a, a tear came down my eye because I knew what the Philadelphia folks, what it meant to them. Like, uh, Nick, with all due respect, you, you, you'll have no idea unless you go to Philadelphia. <laughs> like, I, I cried when they won for joy for the city. And it sounds corny. It sounds silly. There wasn't an envious bone in my body. There wasn't any thought like, oh, I mean, you always wish you could have done it. But I was so proud of those guys. And I knew. And we saw pictures during that montage and video of grown men crying. And I was like, yeah, I feel you. I feel you because it means the world to Philadelphia. I've played in other markets. But the way the Eagles play, it, it, it sets the tone for the city. So, yeah, I, I wish I was there. But even here in Missouri City, Texas, upstairs in my little TV room, whatever you want to call it, yeah, I shed a tear out of joy when I saw them. It, the way the boys competed, 
And when I saw that the game was over, they they were hoisting up that championship trophy. There was something else. Hey, Fuji, are you there? Fuji. Fuji, are you there? Might have to bring him back. Fuji. Might have to wait for him to get the audio. No, it's it's the absolute, honest to God's truth. It Listen, I, I did the same thing. That one picture they showed where the room was entirely green. So it was myself, Jimmy Seltzer, uh, 9040 WIP. The whole crew was there. And I was recording it because I wanted to see the natural reaction of the entire room when they ended up winning all. And I had it going on Facebook Live. And the... When they won it, it was unbelievable. And for one, I want to say maybe five seconds, I was enjoying it because the confetti was coming out and everybody's having fun. My dad calls me and the Facebook feed automatically cuts out. I'm like, no, dad, wrong time for you to call, but it's all right. But he was calling me because he was down here in Florida and he wanted to call because he knew I've been a fan for obviously all my life. I continue to be a fan of Philadelphia Eagles. Just because I'm down here in Tampa doesn't mean I show allegiance over there to the Bucks, even though they, they do good things. But I always been Eagle and it's just... For anyone to understand, if you're new to this podcast, you're listening anywhere overseas, what you guys don't understand is in in, in a city like Philadelphia, that's a blue-collar town, you earn everything that's given to you over there in Philly. You aren't handed anything. You're not, there's no silver spoons. There's no gold spoons. You earn everything because you work hard for it. But as a community, you believe in each other and you rise together as a community. So I, I just wanted to put that out there in need because again, I... Even if you sorry you didn't see it, I know anytime I'm down, believe me, that's the first thing I go to because you just it uplifts you to remind you that no matter how long it takes you to get there, eventually you get to that pinnacle top. And and just it was fun celebrating with you. And I'm trying to see if Fuji comes on before we land. land you know, when you go here, he's trying. Lord knows he's trying. That's what happens when you go mobile. Uh, he oh. says, uh, "I'm in the green room. Thank you for coming on." No, he's so, just thank lost. you. And uh, man, you know what, uh, Angel? I'm going to have to pick your brain. All this technology, we're going to have to bring uh, some of what you're doing to our show because this is pretty impressive. Man, listen, no problem. As I told David Murphy, and, and for those who didn't know before the show went on, uh, Andy Kalu has a three year contract now here with Broad Street South. So, whatever you need, you know, we'll make sure we take care of things <laughs> so we can take care of business. But uh, no, listen, whatever you need, brother, you let me know. Like I said, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm humbled and honored and blessed for you to, to put me on air when I was out there in Houston. Hope to get back out there again so I can have uh, a night with you guys. I know that the day I went down there, you guys were doing uh, a couple of things, but also just mentioning the show and the Tuesday, which will become a, a Tuesday segment of me calling in just to give you updates as far as what happens here with the Eagles. I, I'm I'm beyond thankful. So, ND, thank you for what you do. I appreciate it. No, thank you for having me on, Nick. It's nice meeting you, Angel. Not to get too far off subject, but thank you for not just being supportive of what we're doing over at Sports Talk Seven Ninety, but for defending our freedom. Like we're in the one of the few countries where we can walk around and not worry about some whack job just killing us because we have heroes like you, soldiers like you, who fought and continue to fight for our freedoms. And I've been to third world countries, and I don't think people really who have not been to other countries and who don't know what y'all do, uh, the heroes of this world, of this country, in the military, like, they, it, it's invaluable what y'all do for us. And it's because of people like you, I can talk about sports and not worry about some building blowing up because people like you are protecting us. So I really want to thank you for that. 
No problem. Thank you. Uh, and I do it all over again. If, if I had to, even at the age of 51, 21, for those who are listening, but even at the age of 51, <laughs> I would do it all over again in a heartbeat because I, I, I love this country that I don't agree with everything that's going on today, but I definitely, I would defend this country until the bones pretty much go brittle because there's nothing like it. When you, when it's like doing what I do now that I absolutely love. I, when I took the oath at the age of 18, it, it, it meant the world to me. And to this day, it still means the world to me. The, what's what I'm thankful about here in Florida, anywhere you go, they're constantly thanking veterans. I mean, you get veteran discounts. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on in here in Florida. So even what people hear from the government that Florida's not that great, I beg to differ because when you come down here as a vet, they try and do the best they possibly can for you. And so, and, Andy, listen, thank you because I, I would do it again. I running to danger is no big deal. Now, as a civilian, would I do it? Eh. Listen, I don't have I don't have protective stuff. So, <laughs> but as far as the service, yeah, I would definitely do it again. Fuji, I I can't hear you unfortunately. So we'll have to get another day with uh, with Andy to come back on. But Andy, listen again. Congratulations on uh, for the nod for the San Antonio Hall of Fame. That's going to be fantastic. And that's coming up what in April? The actual benefit and the induction? Yes, April twenty third. Uh, they did the announcement a couple weeks ago and. April 23rd is when I have to go find a suit <laughs> so we can actually make it official. Well, and listen, that's good. And for everyone else who tuned in tonight in the comments, we do appreciate it. For my sponsors, uh, for Tama Joe's at 9316 Anderson Road in Tama, Florida. As it'll come up here on the screen here. Uh, great place for as far as getting food to be out there where the Philly to South, the official fan club of Broad Street South, you guys can catch them every game day. And it's just not Eagles game when they play there because you can go on the restaurant side. You guys can check out the local games as well. But thanks to my good one. It's the whole entire group. I hope they have the best holidays. I know they had a fantastic year coming back out of COVID. So everyone, please continue to visit Tampa Joe's at 9316 Anderson Road. If you come off from an airplane flight, it's only 10 minutes away from the airport right down Veterans Highway. You guys can't miss it. Also visit TampaJoes.com where you can get gift cards, gift certificates, and do the best you possibly can to support, <clears throat> excuse me, local businesses. Also for LGDirect.net, thanks to Larry Gilman. Oh, I came back up here. To Larry Gilman uh, for his credit card payment solutions that you guys may need and or for apparel. Yes, apparel. Go to LGDirect.net where you guys can hook up with Larry Gilman, just like we did here, to get all your home essentials. So thanks to everyone again who tuned in. Thank you, ND, once again. I know I'm going to let you go here because if not, we can go all night, but we know we have stuff to do. Uh, for Nick, thank you for coming back. I'm glad that uh, everything's going well for you here in, in your sophomore year down in Clemson. Thank you, Angel. Appreciate it. ND, nope. thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate your time. Thanks. Keep up the good work, Nick. Congrats on finishing another semester. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. And for our invisible producer behind the glass, we thank you very much. The same way with Debbie, my other producer there in Studio B. Everyone else, we will see you Sunday for some pregame action. Eagles versus Giants. And we will see you all on Sunday afternoon. Everyone have a great night, a happy holiday, and be safe.